Well, you know, what I was just thinking about what I was thinking about. Uh, if you, if, if, do you want to do this tomorrow? Historical figures from the past would have loved rock, rock band. Like would they, or like which ones would? Do you think would they? It depends on who they are. Abe Lincoln, <laughs> I think he's got no interest in it. No, I mean, but honestly, genuinely, I, 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 uh, I was just thinking in general about like. Uh, I don't know. Ancient man sitting down to play a little bit of Pong. Pong? Yeah. I think... Pong or whatever. Pac-Man. Pong, Pong would be the most accessible. That's one of the the, the, the um, like big ancient aliens, like alternate history things, is uh, this one depiction of what... They, the ancient aliens like intro uses it as their backdrop for the title. It's uh, what seems like a... Egyptian man in a hieroglyph, or not hieroglyph, because that's like the language, but like a pictograph, I guess, or whatever. What do you call it? The the you know, they're 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 drawings on the walls. Yeah, uh, hieroglyphic. I thought that's their language, though. It's both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, big old depiction of a guy seemingly holding the world's biggest light bulb. <laughs> have you ever seen this? No, I have not. Yeah. Okay. But being honest, it sounds weird. Up. It's not. And I thought we were clear, but I don't want you talking. Or watching ancient aliens anymore oh i'm not watching not in my house uh, okay here's the world's biggest light bulb. <laughs> okay yeah what's it look like to you if i hadn't said light bulb would you have guessed light bulb what does it look like uh it looks like a, an electric eel in a bottle okay so anything else you're noticing about it it looks like that guy's wiener and there's a string coming off of it so it kind of looks like a tampon or also the snake or eel kind of looks like it makes it look like a hot dog yeah yeah, it's hot dog. It's hot dog. What I'm supposed to be getting? No, no. Well, those are the How old ones. do you think a hot dog is? Ugh, older than Christ for sure. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, that's for sure some industrial revolution shit where it's like, hey, we can yeah. use a machine to pack all this garbage into a tube. Yeah. So I showed it to my partner, and immediately she was like, "Well, that looks like a flower." Okay. Yeah. I'm not really seeing it. Well, that's what it is. Um, apparently, the hieroglyphs surrounding the depiction. Uh, indicate that it's it's supposed to be like a uh, artistic rendition of their creation myth myth the idea is that we were all birthed out of that like uh, flower and I think the there's it's actually a snake inside of the bulb and the snake is supposed to be some kind of god I can't remember which god I'm not that well versed in it anyways um, ancient aliens and alternative history people always point to that as being like oh, look the Egyptians had a light bulb huh you know Okay, so it's not it's not really a light bulb. No. So it's right, no. it's not real. Yeah. No, I wasn't arguing that it's real. Um, you are so wishy-washy on this podcast today. I'm so what upset. Are you, talking you just can't. I said, so I think it's fake. And you're like, no, it's not. And now I'm I thought like, you meant, I think, I, it, I think it's fake as in like that picture doesn't even exist kind of a thing or like it's a fraud. I didn't know you meant like that it's mm -hmm. a light bulb was the fake mm -hmm. premise. Yes, it's not a light bulb. A revisionist history going on in the show today, but whatever. <laughs> Go on. But anyways, uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that like I, I presented it to her. To be like, hey, what does this look like? And then she immediately was like, oh, well, that looks like a flower. And I was like, that's fucking out of this world because that's exactly what it is. Um, but in general, um, you know, archaeologists obviously like debunk the thing by being like, hey, okay, if it's a light bulb, how come that's the only drawing of a light bulb? Don't you think other people would have drawn the light bulb if the Egyptians had a light bulb? That's a great point. You know what I mean? Second thing being like, hey, don't you think we would have found, I don't know, wiring or like a socket or something? If they had light bulbs, you know, and you know, we don't have any of that kind of stuff. 
But, um, like I said, like I don't subscribe to alternate history at all. That's good enough. Same thing with like ancient aliens. Insane, right? Um, but almost as like a work of fiction, the same way I'm talking about how like, oh, wouldn't it be funny to give a caveman pong? You've seen the memes where it's like men when they go back in time and it's them handing out bang energy to fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. medieval soldiers. Um, I feel like light bulb is an easy leap. I feel like figuring out just very simple electricity. I mean, people make alarm clocks out of fucking potatoes or whatever for, you know, science fairs and shit. Um, so that's a fun thing to think about. Like I said, like the pong thing, right? Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I have, I do this way too often, but every now and then I'll be thinking about something and I think, how would I explain this to a cowboy? <laughs> yeah. I make sure you said that before. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a nice anecdotal thing to kind of start me on this statement, which I'd like to make. Um, yeah, I'm sure you've seen this. A lot of people online who, uh, you know, are conspiracy theorists, the guys, flat earthers, stuff like that. I'm sure you've heard them say the whole thing where it's like, oh, man, you know, all those academics over there don't want to be proven wrong. They're all lying because uh, there's so much money to be lost if they, <clears throat> you know. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Like, um, they just don't want to be proven wrong, all that kind of shit and whatnot. Uh, kind of crazy primarily because science and academia in general is like an uh, entire industry where like if you could find hard proof that everybody else is wrong. You're making buku bucks. Yeah, that's that's like the dream. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what they're all trying to do all day <laughs> long, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy to me. Like I said, like I, I don't understand that argument of like there's too much money to be lost if like all this shit's wrong and stuff like that. And it's like... Okay, how about all the money to be made if you're the guy that proved Egypt had light bulbs? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this idea that they're out to like uh, suppress things like that is also insane. Because um, again, like, what would be the gain? You know what I mean? Like, I always try to pro- like pose like uh, we probably even talked about it in the podcast. So I'll only mention it briefly. Like. Okay, the entire world, every world leader, and uh, all the scientists, the world over, they're all in on this elaborate, you know, uh, conspiracy to make us think that the world is round. For what? Yeah. I what used, do they get? I used to have this argument with an old coworker of mine who was a flat yeah. earther, and I was like, "Who is it? Big globe? Yeah. Is there, <laughs> are they, they all the ones pulling money? the string? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and then the retort is always like, "Oh, NASA, so they can get all that money." Yeah. Four. Uh, they're buying they're making fake spaceships and then using the rest of the money to buy houses and stuff I guess because everyone knows how rich NASA scientists are yeah but also like wouldn't somebody be checking where they're spending like, isn't that public record like how they spend their money oh no they're all in on it Chris and it goes all the oh, way right. to the top all the way yeah. up all the way down right 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 you, um, you think Biden's not getting some of that NASA quiche <laughs> of course he is I don't know that stuff's all interesting and wild. Um, especially, like, you know, to talk about the ancient alien things for a second longer. Okay. You know, let's say, again, the light bulb's a perfect example. Like, aliens came down and gave these ancient peoples crazy, you know, technological advancement type, type, type shit, right? And then just... They just have a laser cannon, that kind of a thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Egyptians just have laser cannons. 
and we haven't found one, you know, and like no, what's happening is NASA and the military oh, yeah. have aliens and they're holding them hostage <laughs> yeah. and being like, tell us how to make space stuff so that I blame Indiana can, Jones. Yeah, they can be like, hey, we're making the space stuff and we're making the Buku bucks. Oh, they're yeah. finding it and then they're doing that kind yeah, of thing. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Also unnecessary. I feel like if they found the alien spaceship and then they reverse engineered it, they don't have to have that part be a secret to still make money by producing their own. Yeah. Like, is the fear that, like, oh, if everybody found out, we'd be frauds, someone else would steal it, we wouldn't be able to do it? Like, what's the... Why does it have to be a secret? That part is interesting. Um, But I, then Russia, I think it keeps going in, like... It's the Russians. <laughs> they're afraid of the Russians. I think it keeps going in circles, because then you bring up, well, then society would crumble. I mean, imagine if, you know, yeah. God was proven wrong, that kind of a thing, right? This is gobbledygook. Yeah, in anyway, the, uh, movies. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. We can find yeah, it. No. We can do something else. We'll figure, we'll figure, we'll, we'll find our way through. No, um, let's do something else. Do something else? Yeah, let's do another little okay, chat. We'll, we'll scrap this first 14 minutes. Um, you know what I mean? Hey, you know what I'm saying? It's got to be propaganda, just like all the alien stuff. You think so? Maybe. Because I'm thinking, like, when's the first time someone heard, ah, oh, it radiates people, oh, like, make them real strong, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, all the evidence is always pointed to, like, no, you die within six days, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you're, like, you're two weeks in bed as your skin becomes on the outside. <laughs> it might also be just, like, um, I'm just pulling this out of my ass and guessing, but, like, when it was, like, invented and stuff like that, and people were using that, and I don't know, like, pulp novels and science fiction and stuff like that. Like, oh, radiation gave someone superpowers. Yeah. It's probably, like, at a time where they're like, yeah, that's, like, future science that I don't really get. And I think okay. most people reading this don't really get. Oh, like get, how, so. like, scientists were working with gamma rays and stuff like that. And they're like, what could they be doing? Maybe they're making yeah. super soldiers. Or, like, how in the 80s and the 90s in movies, computers were magic, you know? Like, a yeah. computer could do anything. Could hack into anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nuclear radiation can make anything happen to your body. Interesting. One of those kind of things, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another thing I'm curious about. I wonder also, much like radiation and whatnot, you know how, like, back in the day they got, like, the radium girls and stuff, like the girls used to, yep, like... Yep, yep. And they'd, they'd paint little wristwatches they glue in the dark... Uh, painted their whole body so they well that's what I was going to say yeah. yeah and then they were just goofing around they put it on each other said that it was funny in the factories and stuff and then those girls all died at like 32 mm -hmm. <laughs> and also there are all these stories about like radium being like put into like over the counter shit for it's like oh you need a pep in your step why don't you take this like there's a uh, one guy who's like I think known as like radium jaw like if you if you google radium jaw like one 30 year old dude will come up who was like going to Harvard he's like super smart and he was just like generally fatigued all the time and someone recommended like the over the counter radium pep pill or whatever then he just started chewing them and then yeah by like 30 he had like just jaw cancer and died and stuff from Christ popping all this. Yeah. yeah anyways i know obvious answer it's all the plastics so we're full of plastic and microplastics and we eat like a quarter worth of like a, the size of a quarter worth of like microplastic every day and like even the elastic nature of pants these days that's all done with like plastics and those slowly like deteriorate in the wash and as they go down the drain they get carried into the ocean and all of our food comes in plastic and all that kind of shit i know that that's probably the the the, the most obvious answer and that's probably true uh but i wonder what else in our in our lifetime is like the kind of thing where like we're gonna be looked back on like the radium girls or radium jaw Oh, every day I look at my phone and go, there's no way this isn't killing me. Yeah. There's no way. Are you telling me Wi-Fi passes through my body and I'm yeah. fine? I'm not trying to sound like the 5G guy, like 5G tower guy. Yeah. Because that's kind of what they're talking about. But 
there's got to be some connection. I remember, I remember hearing that like uh, cell phones being in our pockets was the reason why like ball cancer was on the rise. Yeah. You know, and you're right. Yeah, just all day long, Wi-Fi is just going up and then coming back down into my pocket, yeah. into my TV. You Through know, my brain and my teeth and my organs. Yeah. yeah. And don't get me wrong, for all I know, we could both sound like the biggest idiots in the world. Now. Yeah, no, of course, it sounds crazy. Like, for sure, that's not what's happening. But also, uh-huh. I could see it. Well, but I mean, yeah, it's also very interesting because that shit is all around. I mean, like, that's my understanding of how a radio works is it literally just blasts those tra- like transmissions in every direction. And then anything that can pick it up, picks it up, basically. So we're constantly just in the middle of that. You know, things like cell phones and then also just space. I mean, yeah, we have the atmosphere filtering most of it. But a lot of, you know, like, for example, like the sun, that's just straight radiation. You know what I mean? Like, Uh nowadays we know that, like, any amount of exposure to the sun is just not good. Like, getting tan, all that kind of stuff, that's literally just damage to your skin cells from the radiation. Um, So there's no such thing as, like, a healthy tan or, like, oh, you've been getting some healthy sun and stuff like that at this point. Vitamin D, baby. Not that much, though. There's actually been a lot of studies uh, about... um, the amount of vitamin D you get from the sun versus your diet and your diet's a much more hmm. um, like uh, what's the word oh yeah like efficient way to get vitamin D and the sun doesn't really provide that much yeah and so like there's a good example like forever we just thought like oh yeah go out and get some fresh air go lay in the sun for six hours and you know what I'm gonna go on another tangent white dudes there's a specific section percentage of white dudes who love going out into the sun for like 12 hours with no shirt on and stuff like that and just being like nah I'm gonna burn that's what I do Oh, yeah, no, that gives you, um, what's the word? Cancer. Yeah, yeah for sure. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I'm just saying in general, like, I just want to comment on those guys. You know what I'm talking about? You yeah, know white guy. guys, listen up. Chris is, Chris is giving it to you right now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You know a guy who's just like, bah. Yeah. yeah, no, every time I see a guy, always a white guy, out yeah. in public. Like, I was pumping gas the other day. Dude just pumping gas with no shirt on. I'm like, yeah. you can't be doing that. Yeah. Like, you ever I, see a dude doing that, but he's already the most red person you've yeah, ever seen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, for sure it'll kill you. That's yeah. bad, but also put a put a shirt on. Yeah, I, I don't know why it made me so mad, or yeah. it always makes me so mad when I see yeah. it. Like it's out like in public, but like not indoors in a store or something like that. So yeah, yeah I know you're allowed to do it. Yeah, put a goddamn shirt on. <laughs> sunburn might be one of the worst. Like I'd rather mm. be sick mm-hmm. than have a sunburn. Yeah, you know what I mean. For a major most of my life, I've been like, I've been to an extent that guy. Yeah, where I'm like, I just don't. I just don't really burn. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really need sunblock or anything like that. Like, we went to Texas. I was just walking about all day in the 100-degree sun. Just fine. Just totally fine. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I went camping with some people. I was like, nah, I don't burn. And just spent all day outside on a boat and stuff like that. And then later that day, I was just, like, in the bathroom or something like that. I was like, hmm, my skin hurts. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, I'm sunburned. And now I, and now I, and now I burn like a... Yeah, uh, like a newborn I, baby. Now I burn like a newborn baby. It's I hate yeah. it. I want to. I'm getting old. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I've actually had sun poisoning twice. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, this is ringing a bell. I was like, how would yeah. I not know the? But of course, I mean, no offense, but yeah, you're definitely a guy to get sun poisoning <laughs> for sure. You got the look to you. Yeah. Long story short, first time it happened, I was a child and I went to my first Tigers game and like literally underneath my shirt, I got blisters. Cool. Like underneath a shirt, I got burned. I know a guy who wore a, like a like a football jersey. Yeah. Somewhere outside. And yeah, did he get, did. like, the little specks? He did. He That's got sunburned, like, the little dots all over his That's body. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. Especially because of how much that shirt. would, like, move around. You mm-hmm. think it would even hit the same spot. 
And then the second time I was a grown ass adult and I was just at Stony Creek and I was, yeah, doing that classic white dude thing. Hey, guys, I've been there. Um, I used to be one of you. Yeah, and I got the worst sunburn of my life, got sun poisoning. And the worst part is, so for a lot of people, what, what accompanies it is like fatigue, you can throw up. The reason why they call it sun poisoning or like sun sickness is because you actually get like flu-like symptoms. For me, I didn't necessarily, but I did get what's known as hell's itch, which is where, I swear to God, afterwards, it's so fucking itchy. Yeah. Because you've burned so many layers down that mm-hmm. like when it's healing... You can't actually like get down there to like satiate the Ugh. itch kind of a thing. Ugh. You know what I'm saying? And there's just no relief. Like you can try to take Benadryl, you can try to cover yourself in calamine. The closest thing is to like take a re- like an ice cold shower, but even that doesn't satisfy every area area forever. And you can pretty much, you know, devote an entire day to like just trying to satiate the the the, the, the desire to itch, you know. It's awful. Oh, that sounds like absolute hell, yeah. Yeah. And itch from hell. This itch is from hell. But, um, anyways, I guess my PSA is like, hey, white dudes, wear sunscreen. Yeah, wear sunscreen. Wear sunscreen. Yeah, I think we, I, I, you, Chris, I think you specifically need to get the word out about hell's itch. Yeah. Save some lives. Yeah. Get some shirts on some men. Yeah. Anyways, all of that aside, um, you know, it's like anything. You want to go outside without some sunscreen for a little bit? You're going to be fine, probably, you know. Do you know what's the most common place for people to get uh, skin cancer? The top of their head. No? No, where? Back of the earlobes, right here. Really? Yeah, Yeah, because you never put, yeah, 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 yeah. okay, yeah. That's why uh, people work in gardens like that wear sun hats. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the big reasons, yeah. Just like Peter Falk, a woman under the influence. Wow, you really giving me the wrap it up, huh? Eating Soup Alone is a podcast hosted by me, Christopher Crumlin, and co-hosted by Nicholas Johnson. We try our best to ramble incoherently about a handful of movies at least once a week. Okay, so the first movie we watched uh-huh. today, not a woman under the influence, even though I just said it. I'd like to talk about Magical Mystery Tour first, okay. if you're fine with that. Okay. Yeah, you're good with that? Sure. Mail time. Okay. Oh, also, last week I brought up about how we're not funny enough, and you and I should do improv. Yeah. And then I just completely dropped it uh-huh. and forgot to do it. So read this letter, Chris, like um, you're reading a – it's a bedtime story that you're reading to your kids. Okay. But also, like 30 minutes ago, you were just, like, going through some files in your wife's desk, and you found out that your youngest son isn't yours. Oh, wow. Okay. You can take a second. God damn, I can't even. All right. All right. <clears throat> I feel like that sums up how I usually read these. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, the Magical Mystery Tour. Man, the Beatles used to be out there just doing shit, huh? Released in 1967 on, I think, BBC One, 
The Beatles Magical Mystery Tour is a movie made by a bunch of stone guys for a bunch of stone dudes. Preceding this film, the Beatles starred in the film A Hard Day's Night. Ring, ring. Uh, hang on one second. Uh, ring, ring. What? Hang on. Uh, hello? Hi, is this Mr. Crumley? Yes, speaking. Uh, uh, this is the doctor from the hospital. You're working very late. Yeah, it's about your wife. Um, it's spread to her brain. She's probably not going to make it click. What? Oh. Oh, my heart. Oh. Be one of the kids. Oh, God. Dad, are you going to finish this movie review before you put us to bed? One second. One second, little Johnny. Be one of the other kids. Hey, it's me, Dad, your youngest son, who is biologically yours, as far as I'm That's aware. right, Paul, yeah. Yeah, ju- yeah, I just need a second, please. Are you okay? Because I care the most about you, which is the worst part, isn't it? Oh, God, yep. <sighs> My heart. Yeah, I love you too, Paul. Be another one of the kids. It's me, Gloria, your oldest daughter. I'm... 17 years old do you want me to put the kids to bed yeah actually i'd really like that would you read the letter yeah my my name is gloria that's right i don't know why that matters if i'm reading the paper but okay are you you good hey uh gloria it's me your brother george yeah what what can we read a different story this one's kind of boring yeah you're right you don't look like you're looking for another book though i listen i george right that was your name my little brother if I'm being honest, I thought I didn't think I'd have to do any of the improv, so my brain's kind of oh, kind of spacing out on me. Cause, I'm gonna be another one of the kids. Yeah, I just thought it'd be funny to make Dad do it. Oh, well, in that case, let me ring it. Uh, read it. Uh, the second youngest, Ringo. Preceding this film, the Beatles starred in the films A Hard Day's Night, a fun romp through a day in the life of the four living cartoon characters that are the Beatles, and Help, a globe-trotting adventure flick uh, about an evil cult and an ancient magical ring so they can sacrifice a woman to their god. And also, the Beatles are there, too. Frustrated by the lack of input they were allowed to uh, have on their own uh, movies, the Beatles took matters into their own hands and made The Magical Mystery Tour, a film with no plot, four music videos, and little to no John Lennon. Is it good? No, not really. But it's well worth the time and effort for the musical numbers alone, and while the Beatles' sense of humor misses more than it hits, it's still fun to see four 20-something-year-old guys. Paul says he's 30. From Liverpool, trying to make a movie for seemingly no other reason. But he's probably not 30. Probably just a line. That could be, yeah. Yeah. Says I, Gloria. But, uh, for no other reason but to entertain themselves. 5.5 out of 10. Hey, it's me, George, the middleest child. Not not the George from earlier. I'm also named George. Uh-huh. Uh, Dad's dead. <laughs> oh, my God. Call an ambulance. Gloria, call an ambulance. I don't know how phone works. Calls animals. Ambulance. Oh, this is... Marty, I'm one of the sons. A lot of sons around here. Uh, Gloria left with her boy boyfriend. Oh, he was on a motorcycle. Wow. Ring I'd ring. I'd like to stop ring, doing ring. that. Ring ring. Ring ring. Ring ring. I don't know who's supposed to get that. We're all just children. Ring ring. Ring ring. Uh, this is falling apart. The th- I was gonna call and be like, "Hey, uh, sorry, your mom's uh, come through. I just I stepped on a cord earlier. Made it look like she was flatlining, but." Whatever. I don't know if you'll notice, but also I made all the kids named after the Beatles. I did. Yeah, this bit was a mistake. Some of it was okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, uh, what would you think about Magical Mystery Tour? Or what's your history with the Magical Mystery Tour? No history. Cool. Yeah, what about you? No history. Yeah. I've seen the other Beatles movies. I like them quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, never got around to this one because I heard it I was saw the bad. one where they're on the train. Is that A Hard Day's Night? It is. Yeah. I thought that one was okay. I th- yeah, I think they're fun. I think uh, the first one is novelty. just... Novelty. It's a novelty. It's a novelty. Yeah, yeah. it's just them... Um, 
being these larger than life versions of themselves and they're just you know on a train playing cards and pulling like aces out of their pockets and stuff like that and just silly shit and they're running yeah. around and it's fun and then help the Beatles are kind of like side characters in it basically even though it's their movie yeah and I think it was like right around the time like Color started coming to film okay so I pretty sure the dp on that movie was just like i'm just gonna fucking go off on some stuff and there's some really good looking stuff in that movie uh-huh. um and also the beatles are just stoned out of their mind the entire time um but like the plot is like a cult loses their ring their sacrificial ring and ringo buys it in a pawn shop and is wearing it in a music video and they're like the cult's like we gotta go kill ringo ringo star of the beatles and the beatles beat 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 beatles the beatles I think I'm having a stroke. The Beatles are trying to record their record help, but keep getting interrupted by cult members trying that to kill That sounds Ringo. fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's not very good, but it's a lot of fun. What? That sounds like so much fun. And then I heard people hated Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah. Because mainly, from what I remember, from what I heard of it, they yeah. played this on TV in black and white, and yeah. the Beatles were like, well, yeah, no one's going to get it. Yeah. No one gets it if it's in black and white. And then I hear like a lot of, I can't name any off the top of my head, maybe Steven Spielberg, are like, hey, this movie was super influential to me. Interesting. Um, but I think people didn't like this movie because it's nonsense. Yeah, I not, think that's fair. Not necessarily in a bad way, but not yeah. necessarily in a good way. Yeah. There's just, this movie just does stuff for an hour, then it's over. Yeah, like uh, basic rundown there on the tour bus you get introduced to like Ringo Starr as a character with his aunt uh Paul seems to be just there trying to well, at the beginning trying to flirt a little bit it seems yeah. like with that Miss Winters yeah but I mean he's just already on the bus he's yeah just there. not really doing anything John and George are there they don't say anything during this movie except think. at uh, one point John hangs out with that little girl and he's like I've got something for you do I you want to I think it's guess? his son I think it's a little boy uh, anyway, except at that one point, John's hanging out with his son. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, you get that, and then the uh, gentleman who's guiding the tour, but not the driver, is like, hey, we're going on a magical mystery tour. My name's Jolly Jimmy. Then they have a foot race, it seems like, that slowly turns into the cars going in a circle no, rather they, than a foot race. First, they go and see the, the those like military guys. Oh, yes. And they show them like, the plastic cow, and the one military guy just speaks gibberish. Yeah. Just like high-strung military yeah. gibberish yeah it's uh, funny i feel like it's half a bit though it is it's i feel half like a if bit it, was... and it goes on for the length of three bits yeah i feel like if it was on like the monty python tv show or if it was like a mel brooks bit there would be someone who's like trying to maybe guess what he's saying or someone who could understand what he's saying relaying yeah. it to people and that would be where the punchlines come kind of the only punchline i remember from it is he does it for like a minute or so yeah and then finishes a sentence sentence and looks at ringo and ringo goes why why yeah and he goes why i'm like okay that's good and then it's just him doing that for longer next to a plastic cow and then they have a foot race so it's i see what's going on there but yeah falls a little flat uh but yeah then the foot race thing happens and then it turns into like a car race yeah also, we skip past uh, Fool on the Hill. Yeah. Uh, they're just looking out the window, and it plays a little music video for Fool on the Hill, and it's just Paul yeah. McCartney at, like, sunset just running around a beach. Yeah. And I like it a lot. Yeah, I think good. it's great. Like, yeah. I, that that started, and it, it happens pretty early in the movie, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm really going to like this. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie happens. Yeah, I would say the music videos are good. Um, I also do like... A nice little touch. I think it's happening when they're doing the foot race and stuff like that. There are like orchestral versions. Yeah, of older songs, of like older all my songs love playing and... in the background yeah. and stuff. Those are fun. Those are nice. Yeah. 
Um, there seems... Well, there's one guy in the bus who, every time he takes the tour, thinks he's someone else, and he kind of falls in love with Ringo Starr's aunt. Mr. Blood Vessel. Yep. Mr. Blood Vessel, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, we were watching it, and I was like, yeah, I'm getting real big, like, Pink Flamingo vibes from this. Just yeah. the idea of, like, oh, anyone can make a movie about anything. Yeah. It just happens to be the yeah. most famous people in the world are making this movie. Yeah, but also it does specifically the aunt and the mom from the, the, the movie and the uh, and Mr. Blood Vessel and, and uh, the Milkman. Or the Eggman. Sorry, yeah, the Eggman, yeah. Those two definitely seem, in terms of Pink Flamingo, Flamingo's kind of like ripped from this movie. That's yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Not in a bad way. I'm just saying I can... Yeah, no, exactly. I can see... I know, I know, yeah. I can see maybe some inspiration if John Waters is into that kind mm-hmm. of thing. I don't know. I thought I can't remember what they do after... Do the, no, we cut to the Wizards in Space or something like that. Yeah, and they're like, oh, where's the bus? Where's the bus? Yeah, it's just the Beatles dressed like wizards doing silly voices. Yeah. Um, not terribly funny. And then from there, do we get... We get I Am the Walrus. I Am the Walrus. Fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that is an interesting thing, though, for a Beatles movie. It feels like the Beatles are barely in it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, George and John are... I think the first time you like really see John is I Am the Walrus. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I said this, too, while we were watching the movie. I Am the Walrus. Just sick of hearing it, if I'm being honest. I yeah. felt that way for a long time. Just, That's how I feel about Here Comes the Sun yeah. and Come Together. Yeah, but uh, all those songs where I do hear them, though, I'm like, mm, still a jam. Still a good one. Um. Then what happens? I think we get some more magician stuff eventually. Um, and then they end up watching a stripper. Yeah, they all go into a little tent and then look at a... Oh, yeah, the little tent. They yeah. go into the little tent and you get the video for Blue Jay Way. Great, yeah. great song. Love it. Yeah, it's a good little... George Harrison playing a piano that's, like, painted on the ground. I yeah. like it a lot. Chalk, yeah. I think it's chalk. Yeah. Um, and they leave there and they go to a strip show. And uh, one of the funniest things I've ever seen, they basically end cap this movie with a performance by a band that is not the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, and they play Death Cab for Cutie. Uh-huh. Uh, and then a woman strips. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Um, and then you get Your Mother Should Know. Yeah. Which is all of them in white suits doing yeah. like a little dance down a stair set. And then everyone from the movie comes in. And I like that a lot. That might be yeah. my favorite song from the album. Yeah. Just a fun fact for you, yeah. Chris, no one else. Yeah. And then... Yeah, that's a rap, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, that's yeah. A rap. That's picture rap. Yeah, yeah. And there's just a bunch of wacky shit going on through the movie, like yeah. just like people in like weird masks, just like rolling around and pushing each other. And there's a bunch of like priests just yeah. hanging about and stuff. Just, just wacky stuff. So this. magical mystery tour. Does that one have strawberry fields forever on it? Yes. Okay. Well, that's one point off this movie then. Because that music video is my favorite music video of all time. Mm-hmm. It would have been great if that was in there somewhere. I think I could be wrong about this. So if I am, just pretend I'm not. Pretend this is pretend this is the truth. If you hear something otherwise, just be like, no, nah, I think Nick was right. Yeah. I think the Beatles invented music videos. Uh, yeah, I don't know the hard facts about it, but I know that, like, yeah, basically they were operating in, like, proto-music video yeah, like from my understanding, they yeah. they got to the point where they're like, we don't want to play live anymore. Yeah. And like TV shows are like, well, we'd still like you to be the musical guest. And they're like, cool, we'll shoot something fun mm-hmm. set to the song and we'll send it to you. Yeah, like All You Need Is Love with them yeah. playing on the pianos and all the people around them. And then also well, the that, movies. The, uh, well, no, All You Need Is Love, I think, was 
live in front of a live yeah. audience, but it was like the first like satellite broadcasted mm-hmm. thing all over the world. Yeah. But I mean more like yeah, for like Hello Goodbye or mm-hmm. Strawberry Fields Forever, yeah. where it's like, well, yeah, we're well, you can play this on your show instead yeah. of having us there. But also even like their movies like having a section that basically to this day, like I am the walrus, that's what people call the music yes. video for yeah. you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I think a lot of the things that they were both, doing yeah, in that yeah, in that era were were basically the yeah, kind of the building blocks for what would become music videos. Cool. Yeah. Um, so overall, I, I read a couple of things that the Beatles had to say about uh, the movie. One of them, I guess at, at the time, Paul was like, um, you couldn't, re- he said something like, you couldn't say that the Queen's speech was a gas, could you? Um, which was an interesting quote. Definitely, <laughs> I don't get that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. A gas is like. Are you, is he trying to say that like? Uh, well, I know what a gas is. But yeah, but what I'm saying is like, okay, so you're comparing the Beatles to the Queen's speech. So you're saying the Beatles movie can be boring the same way that like the Queen's speech can be boring. Okay, sure. Yeah, I and mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Is that the implication of why he said that? I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I, um, yeah. go ahead. I was going to kind of wrap up my feelings on this movie, but if you have more, go for it. Okay. Um, otherwise, in the 90s, there was a bit where George Harrison was interviewed about it, and he was like, I understand why the critics didn't like it. It wasn't like a, you know, uh, an expertly plotted piece that was well executed. It was just or like a, a plotted little... piece at all. Yeah. He was like, it's just like a little home movie, like a really elaborate home movie. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And I get that. That's, that's definitely how the movie comes across for me is just... Um, them doing it just because they want to do it kind of a thing which is cool um but also yeah i just i I don't know there's it definitely leaves you kind of wanting more like even if it was that maybe they should have abandoned i don't know maybe the idea of like i don't know like is it maybe the sketches and maybe focused more on just like being a bit goofy and wandering yeah. around on this bus you know like yeah just more of them trying to be naturally funny-ish like yeah. if you were yeah, gonna yeah. go for more of a like hey let's just shoot not like a documentary style like oh this is the beat like you could still be a little aloof and like this is a movie but i don't know it's kind of a blend of so many things because you also at the same time i forgot to mention you have john lennon um which at the time i know that he was writing a lot of like little short stories and and, and memoirs and stuff like that um, kind of narrating the whole thing. Yeah. And in that regard, like, it kind of feels like a hodgepodge of all the things that the individual Beatles are interested in. Yeah. Which is fine and neat in its own way, but that those things don't all blend perfectly necessarily. Yeah. I feel like it is very, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like representative of their music career as yeah. well. Where, like, I think it's one of the cool things about the Beatles is that they're, you know, the we're the biggest thing in the world. And mm-hmm. after a while, we're like, hey, let's just make some weird shit because everyone in the world's going to listen to it no matter what. And, like, yeah, you hear a lot of people talk about how, like, yeah, no, I heard River Soul for the first time and it was, like, nothing I'd ever heard before. And it opened my mind to this and that and blah, blah, blah. And that's what I like about this movie. It's just, hey, we're the most famous people in the world. Let's make a movie. A lot of people are going to see it. And it's going to be this weird kind of experimental whatever thing. Yeah they're not as good at making movies as they are making music though so it's not that's the best way to sum it up for sure is that yes it's a novelty i can see it having an influence on people it's cool that with the type of like reach that they had and the platform they had they took a risk like that but at the end of the day yeah um 
not even like me trying to be mean or like, oh, I'm such a snobby, you know, movie critic guy. It's just arguably not like good, good. Yeah. Um, not that it even had to be. Like, I, I, I've only seen one other Beatles movie, but I didn't really go into it thinking like, oh, this is going to be one of my favorite things in the world. I'm sure there yeah. are plenty of people who think that. Like, and that's fine. Like, if that's what you're into, like, I'm into professional wrestling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, they, they're kind of novelties. It's you know, in general, it's just an interesting idea. Like, I can't think of another band that like three or four times got to just be like, because I'm including the. The, the the Get Back movie that was their last one even though people seem to kind of forget that there even was a Get Back movie before the documentary yeah. um, like three or four times they somehow got the opportunity to be like yeah let's uh, make a movie that's a companion piece to yeah <laughs> to our albums you know what I, mean? uh, I think yeah like Elvis was doing it a bunch at the time oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah but that's one of those things that's like almost a little different in my mind yeah like I know that it was kind of like I know it's almost exactly the same thing, but just for some reason, like, I know throughout the 50s he did that, and, like, there'd always be, like, him singing a song at some point. But I don't know, just, um, you're right. You're absolutely right. But I just, I don't even, like, I don't know. For some reason that just doesn't register in my mind as, like, for some reason uh, the Beatles doing it is so much more like, wow, that's interesting. You yeah, know I mean? but also at the same time, it's the same thing. Like, yeah. I think especially Help in A Hard Day's Night was yeah. like people being like, hey, you're the most famous people in the world. You got to do what Elvis is doing. If we make a movie with you guys in it, it will yeah. make you more money than God. So yeah. let's do this. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, and it's so weird because it's like that thing where the Beatles transcended where they came from, mm -hmm. right? So in the beginning they're they're basically the hottest commercial com commodity so you follow the um hottest commercial commodity elvis right uh like that's why i guess the elvis thing doesn't imp like interest me as much i don't again there's no clear distinction i can make other than like i just don't like elvis that much and like the songs just seem like the modern the modern day equivalent would be like and i mean no disrespect because there are songs that I like by Elvis, there are songs I like by Drake, but just that kind of a thing where like, hey, you just crank out some songs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just, they just seem like uh, only fools rushing or like, yeah, nothing but a hound dog, you know? Yeah. They don't seem needy or like they really say anything about Elvis or him as a person. Whereas like with the Beatles, even when they're doing Elvis, I feel like as artists, you can't help but just feel like you're in those shoes or you can see Paul or John like having a crush on a girl and writing this song or being a little bit sad today and thinking about all the things that came and gone and yeah. ooh, my life you know yeah no I I, I feel a little differently about that like yeah. the early Beatles songs that are very Elvisy. like like I've read an interview with John Lennon I believe about um I read this like coffee table book that mm -hmm. was like the 100 greatest Beatles songs and who it by ranked by whoever made the book and then like nice little insights to the songs and stuff like that um and and i love her was on it which yeah. is from a hard day's night and it starts with a quote from john lennon that was like it's a nothing song that means nothing that i yeah. just wrote in a john day would always be saying that shit though yeah like, but also when i hear those songs that are clearly just a love song that they wrote because they're like hey we gotta crank out an album yeah if we're being honest i'm like this is still a really well-made song yeah. like even if like like the the lyrics are like hokey and uh, yeah boilerplate but they also had that like little beatles twists on them so yeah. they're like clever here and there and then like you know the instrumentation and everything on mm -hmm. it is fun to listen to so before we get too what... far from it though the only retort i'm gonna make is like john always is saying that shit he really is but then like for example andy bird can sing um 
I've maybe even told the story here before, but long story short, John's always been like, oh, that's a nonsense psychedelic song. But uh, Cynthia, in an autobiography I've read, has been like, nah, I think that was about him love falling out of love with me. You have the line about the and you don't get me. And I think that was about John feeling like I didn't understand him anymore and that we didn't connect anymore. And on top of it, the whole Andy Bird can sing thing, she was like, for our last anniversary, that was the last gift that I got him was a cuckoo clock. So I just kind of feel like this song's probably, whether yeah. he wants to admit it or not, about falling out of love with yeah. me. So, yeah, I'm always suspect about John saying, oh, that song is a nothing song. And you know who else does that? And you know who also does this? Who? Uh, our good friend, uh, Craig. He always maintains yeah. that his songs are about nothing. He's like, they're nothing songs. Those mean nothing. And I'm listening to him. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know, Craig. Craig you'd be going through some stuff, I yeah, think. Yeah, I feel like it sounds like some of these things are things that you think and feel and that they came from somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I don't fully mean disrespect to Elvis, but I've just never really been moved by an Elvis song. Like, I don't know, like, Viva Las Vegas and stuff. Like, they definitely seem like Elvis Presley had a job and did his job kind of a Yeah, thing. no, I I feel, again, I'm not into, I don't know that much about Elvis, but I think Elvis was more so just a performer instead yeah. of a songwriter. Yeah. I think that's the charm of yeah. the Beatles is that they're yeah. great songwriters. And so anyways, that's what I, I guess that's the most clear distinction I can make is like, yeah, while Elvis may have <laughs> done that, and they were initially made to do it because Elvis was doing that. It's one of those things where the Beatles interest, interest me more because of the fact that they weren't just performers. They were like, for lack of, you know, a less dismissive way to put it. I mean, dismissive in terms of other acts. I really apologize. But just for the sake of brevity, they were kind of like the first like rock band, like in the sense that someone would like... Like, they were a creative force the way that someone looks at, like, would study, like, uh, the writings of, like, Kurt Cobain or something, like, his lyrics or something. Or, or just that thing where, like, you, you, you look at the artist's production in terms of, like, what art they've made mm -hmm. as a reflection of who they are and what they're thinking and what yeah. they're feeling and their philosophy and stuff like that. So for them to initially get that opportunity to do that because, hey, this is just what the hottest commodity does. But again, they kind of broke the mold in the sense of just being, like not just Frank Sinatra, like not just someone hands me a song and I read it, but like these things are important. And so then something like Magical Mystery Tour or Get Back or even even though this isn't a movie they necessarily made, but the most recent like Get Back documentary and stuff like that, it's just interesting that like that allowed them then and their platform to sh present the world with something so, to some degree, I mean, I, I, you know, uh, if you want to call it authentic or like in a, you know, a more uh, close to home expression you know yeah um for them to be afforded the same you know to be able to make a movie out of their music and for it to actually have some heart is really something to behold and so in that in that sense i know that like uh you know i don't like pink floyd but i'm not gonna talk shit um they got to do like pink floyd. <laughs> they got to do like the wall right don't they have the movie the wall i think so yeah and i know a couple of other you know musical acts have movies here and they're like justin bieber had one you got tommy and quadrophenia by the who Okay. Um, who else? You got Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by the Bee Gees for some reason. <laughs> but anyways, it's just so interesting. Like, uh, you know, it's almost like something we were talking about earlier that I don't think we're going to include in the podcast. But just that thing where it's like, what if I could just drop Pong off to Caveman? You know, yeah. like what if another band was afforded the opportunity to make four movies out of four of their albums, you know? I'm not saying it'd be good, but it's just an interesting thing that's like, you know, bands just don't get to do, you know. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. Are you telling me you haven't seen Love Part 1 and Part 2 by Angels and Airwaves? No, I haven't. Oh, well. To be no, fair, neither have I. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. That was a very long way of saying, like, what a novelty. 
Long way of win- long winded way of saying, "Hey guys, A for effort." Yeah, doesn't make it a good movie, but I'm glad you guys tried. Yeah, long winded way of saying, like, I don't know, D plus. Uh, yeah, I was gonna give it a C minus. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I, I wouldn't be like, nah, you shouldn't see it to anybody. But also at the same time, I wouldn't be like, you gotta see this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the quintessential Beatles movie would be, and I don't know if this is blasphemous, but I just feel like Get Back is probably the one thing that I'd be like, you have to see this. If you yeah, like the no, Beatles, it's, you know? it's yeah, no, absolutely. But I know I'd say if you if you like the Beatles, you gotta see, you gotta see Help. Have you seen Help? No. We gotta watch Help. Help okay. is just dumb fun for the majority of the movie, but then like this one, it's like this one but more polished like studio version of it, where it's like, hey, there's a lot of great music videos from Help in here, but also at the same time, there's just this little wacky movie happening in the background. Yeah. The Beatles were like, hey, we want to go to the Bahamas. Can we shoot? part of the movie in the Bahamas and they're like sure and then the movie starts happening in the Bahamas and they're just high as hell running around and then they're skiing just high yeah. as hell pushing each other over on like ski lifts and stuff like that yeah it's just fun and uh, if you're a Beatles fan I recommend all the Beatles movies yeah how I, many movies do you think Elvis Presley made oh he made a lot I think yeah, cool. I think he made like 20 something like really that. yeah I was gonna wager like 50 I, to 100 really yeah, yeah and you I'll pull look it up real quick? numbers out of my pull it ass up. Elvis Presley made 31 movies. 31 movies. Yeah. Wow. Between the years of 1956 and 1969. Yeah. That's um, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of movies per year. Like, has Daniel Day-Lewis even been in 31 movies? I can't. Like, there's three in 69. No offense to him. I'm just saying that's a ridiculous amount of movies. Yeah, this dude's making three movies a year. I don't know when he had time to make music and get addicted to drugs and marry a teenager. Like, this is insane. <laughs> well, that's a wrap on that. Uh, next movie we watched, A Woman Under the Influence. We did watch A Woman Under the Influence. We did. Yeah. Mail time. Read this one like you're reading it on a podcast that's funny. Okay. And you care about. What does that mean? A woman under the influence. <clears throat> I'm sad. Glena Rowlands, Peter Falk, John Cassavetes. I'm sad. Moody movie from the 70s. You made me sad. Good movie. Nine out of ten. Woman's name is Gina. You said Glena. I thought it was Glena. It's Gina. Glena or something. Glena. G e n a. Gina. Is that what it is? I'm pretty sure. Is it? I don't think anyone's name is Glena. I know. I kept reading and thinking, damn, what the fuck is this lady's name? Are you looking it up? Yeah. Cause I'll reread it if I. Uh... Wow, yeah, Gina, that's crazy. Yeah, fun. Chris, yeah. what's your history with a woman under the influence? Again, no real history. We watched it three hours ago. True. Four hours ago. True. Um, it's just something I've heard about for a long time. Uh, John Cassavetes, uh, Peter Falk, they're friends. I like Columbo. John Cassavetes is uh, with a murder in one of the episodes. I know that they had. Um, a very famous bromance in my mind number two only to John and Paul um, made a lot of movies together and shit like that and I also know that John Cassavetes is um, sort of like a patron saint of like indie filmmaking um, definitely huge hugely influential in that realm um, 
we, you know, was one of the first. I mean, also you have people like Ed Wood and going back even farther. You have people like the fucking Lumiere brothers just inventing, you know, movies. All right. But anyways, in the sense of like, you know, like like just low budget, uh, but also being a very high like quality and being, you know, resembling actual modern movies. Like, you know, just one of those things where... It's one of the earliest examples of some dude just scrounging together cash and shooting something low budget and yada yada yada. And so, long story short, um, yeah, it's just I've heard people call this the entry point. I've never really seen one. You know, thought this would be a good place to start. I love I love you saying oh, I don't really have a history with this, and then having your not history <laughs> date back all the way to the Lumiere brothers. <laughs> all right, what did you think of the film? Uh, also, I have no history with this either. Just again, heard it around all the time from yeah. people who've been like, "Yeah, I should check that out." Yeah. And then I was like, "Chris, we should check this out." And yeah. You're like, yeah, we should check it out. And then, uh, can you remember anything about the bit? Ago, and I'm, I'm thinking of ending things where they're talking about it. Um, yeah. I kind of wanted to watch it again and see if I couldn't piece together what the fuck they were talking the, about. Yeah, the conversation he's having is just uh, what she's saying is just a a a. a a, f- a review he read from a film critic who yeah. did not like this movie, but he did like it, so he's basically just having an argument with the author huh. about why this movie's good and why it's bad. I, if I remember correctly, the the critic was like, "Oh yeah, no, it's heavy-handed." Basically, yeah, I think was the gist of it. Yeah, um, does that look like a cartoon, Christopher Walken? It sure does. Okay, is that what you're going for? Yeah. Anyways, um, we nailed it. Thank you. Yeah, I read I read a not so favorable review as well, because I was just a little curious if I could you know if I could have some little tidbits or anything like that like the same way I did for Magical Mystery Tour. I have a movie podcast and I never do that kind of stuff. I don't like to be tainted. Yeah, I get that. Sometimes I think about like watch it like after we watch a movie, I'm like, yeah, I should like uh, read some reviews and watch some this and that. But also at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but I also don't want to fill my head with someone else's opinions <laughs> yeah. and then spit them out on <laughs> on my show. Yeah. Um, but I did read one. I don't remember the name. I think it was Andre Soares. The Soares. 3,000. Like yeah, 3,000. Uh, and Mr. 3,000 basically said the same thing, like that it was uh, not so subtle, that uh, Gina Rollins uh, should have watched X movie and Y movie to more accurately portray what insanity looks like, and that Peter Falk is also um, you know, basically just a piece, shit, a piece of shit in the movie. Um, and also the person didn't understand... You know, it was at the point of the movie that everybody was crazy enough to be institutionalized because they don't understand why, you know, Gina Rollins is like being singled out as the one that needs to be institutionalized. And um, also talking about just that thing where it's like, don't understand why John Cassavetes is looked at as like this indie darling. Um, this is not an accomplishment. It's not good. And if you're looking for, you know, hyper realism, low budget, then you should look at X and Y director and avoid this thing. Well, I would say I liked it. I liked this movie. I don't know about you, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, my critique of that critique, I guess, would be like me personally watching it. I know it's a movie from 1974. Yeah, I do not expect the portrayal of mental illness to be accurate. You know, <laughs> yeah. I think it gets the job done. Yeah. I was saying a few times while watching this, I was like, if she was on SNL right now instead yeah. of this movie, this yeah. would be extremely funny. Yeah. She does have some pretty good delivery in this. Yeah. And a lot of the times when she's like talking to strangers and people and stuff like that, yeah. I'm like, this lady seems like a lot of fun, yeah. if I'm being honest. And then other times, you know, she's just, yeah, over the top, like shaking and like out of it. And yeah. Uh, visibly unstable yeah. or like when she's like hounding those people on the street to give her the time and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Before we move past that point, I'll also say I understand what you mean. Yeah, if this was made these days, it'd probably be a more nuanced portrayal. But also, I don't really know. Um, I know we disagree to some regard, but you still get movies like Split, which isn't the best portrayal mm-hmm. of like multiple personality disorder, or yeah. whatever they call it these days. I don't actually know what the correct term is. Um, but yes, I do agree with you. It's over the top, uh, and you know, perhaps not as nuanced as it should be. But also, uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head with the whole "it's a movie from 1974" thing as well, uh, which is yeah, exactly. I didn't really expect that to be you know the most realistic depiction i've ever seen of insanity and also i feel like movies even to this day a lot of the time it is a performance and you can't really totally ever escape the fact that like it's just gonna be like a play yeah you know what i mean it's just gonna be an allegory for or a symbol of you know which is funny because obviously like people like john kazevitz and a lot of other directors do go for the hyper realism thing but no matter how hyper realistic at the end of the day it's still a movie there still are just conventions there's just it's just not reality it's never going to be reality yeah yeah and in that regard i really think gina rollins did a fantastic job i really liked her performance she was um hard to take your eyes off of i mean i I really think she did a great job i think she's a great actress yeah i think yeah i think she did good (laughs) no i think she i i I, again i think it was great and it's like i I, you can correct me if i'm wrong but they never say what's actually wrong with her no it's like she has this abstract idea of a mental illness like a mental breakdown yeah you know she's kind of burnt out you know yes but also like there is definitely something underneath the surface that's yeah. wrong with her and i don't know i can't say if it's tasteless or not you mm. know but again from what i'm saying in like in the context of this being a low budget movie from 1974 yeah i'm not expecting that i'm not expecting this shutter movie island to, yeah <laughs> i'm not expecting so like a fight club no i'm not i'm not yeah. expecting um this isn't Donnie Darko. Exactly. Okay, uh, it's fine. <laughs> I'm not expecting um, to watch this and be like, "Oh, this is really what it's like to have." I'm I'm expecting to watch a probably a little bit over the top movie yeah. from the 1970s because about a family dealing with something. Exactly. Like this. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing too is that um, I'm sure it's been attempted, and I'm sure it'll continue to be attempted, or maybe it hasn't. I don't know. But I also think that is the thing that I was trying to get to earlier about movies is that again, it's just an allegory or a symbol because the story being told is, Whoa, this is what it's like to deal with this in the sense of like, if this was your mom or if this was your brother or if it was you, but I don't think it's ever necessarily totally going for the thing where it's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. I'm going like, all that. Do you I, know what I'm saying? Hold on. I might be able to say what you're trying to yeah. say. It's not like I I see any of the scenes in this movie and be like, oh, that's probably something that happened to the writer or the director yeah. or something like that. I think this more so is just someone writing this. Didn't the, his wife write this as a play? No, John Cassavetes wrote it. Yes. But he wrote it for oh, her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, because she's an actress. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought it just more so feels like, again, our writer being like, what would happen in this situation like how would a yeah. family react and yeah. like a not 
in not a movie way, but also like we were saying, everything's an archetype. Everything's yeah. got conventions, so it still feels like this is yeah. how it would happen in a, in a in a film. But also at the same time, I think it might be. I don't know. I can't think of another movie before this or that dealt with something like this in this kind of way. Even if this isn't, you know, the most realistic and yeah. faithful and a third word uh, way to show this, <laughs> I still think it it, it did what yeah. it was trying to do. Yeah, for better or worse. Um. So yeah. So overall, uh, not we can talk about specific scenes. Be like, but basically, what happens is, uh, Peter Folk is married to a woman they have kids they clearly love each other she's slowly losing her mind or rapidly that's one of the things that that one critic andre uh 3000 had to say uh about the movie was that the descent is almost non-existent and she's pretty much just as crazy as when the movie starts um yeah i can see it to a degree i and i i don't i don't dislike that i think it's yeah. i mean like right at the beginning when he invites all the people over yeah. or he's telling them that he's you know has to cancel and can't meet his wife and she's gonna be upset about it everyone's like oh well is that okay you know what she's like so it's like yeah. something that like everybody knows about yeah. everybody in this gang of construction workers he yeah. hangs out i don't know what kind <laughs> yeah. of workplace where people have this kind of relationship but yeah. everybody who works for Admirable. peter falk in this movie are just the homies like yeah. they're just like down for whatever, down to do whatever yeah. they need. At, oh, oh, Peter Falk just yelled at me for 30 minutes. Anytime Peter Falk wants us to come over for spaghetti, I'm coming over for spaghetti. Yeah, I'm still coming over for spaghetti. It doesn't yeah. matter how much I get yelled at. Yeah. Ugh. But um, did I interrupt you? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, you were, you were doing the synopsis of the movie. Oh, yeah. Eventually, long story short, it gets to the point where he has to institutionalize her. She's gone for six months. She comes home. Didn't really work. Uh, which, in my opinion, is one of those. I wouldn't say that. I would. I'd say it didn't work at all. Yeah. Yeah. She's cool for a, yeah. a, a minute, <laughs> and then she loses uh, her mind. How do you feel about that part of it? That it didn't work at all. Um, it makes sense. Yeah. Because what I saw, hey, you got that doctor, that creepy, creepy doctor. Yeah. As soon as he sees her, goes, "Oh God, you're just beautiful." Anyway. Yeah. And then I also gotta, they I talk about you. shock treatment and stuff like that. So it yeah. kind of sounds like it's no, happening yeah, in the it, era when they didn't really know. No, that's know what I was, say. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. As yeah. soon as you, you see that doctor and they talk about like sending her away, I'm like, "Oh, this is 1973, 74. Yeah. They're going to throw her in a white room and shock her brain yeah. like she's the little girl from Halloween Four. Yeah. Um. And turns out, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what happened. She gets home, tries to kill herself. She stops. But there's so many little things in this movie I like. Like, I like how, because she's bleeding and because Dad is having to manhandle her, the kids perceive that as Dad's hurting her. And I, doesn't realize that he's trying to stop her from killing himself. What I got from that more so at the end is, yes, that, but also mm -hmm. at the same time, at every single turn, when she starts getting, like, a little off or mm -hmm. something like that, Peter Falk, Falk yells at her or hits her yeah. and makes things one million times worse. Yeah. So what I got from that at the end was like, hey, no, mom's finally home. Yeah. Dad, you can't be doing this shit anymore. <laughs> Even though these kids are like between yeah. the ages of three and eight. Yeah. It, it, it felt like that where the kids were like, hey, you, bro, enough's enough. We know mom's not well, but yeah. you are not making things yeah. any better. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I think like what you were saying with that uh, critique that you read I was thinking of that through the whole thing I was like yeah I guess it's part it's part of the, this movie supposed to be that he's also as insane as she is because he just yeah. loses it at every single turn yeah it's just a little different than her like yeah. he, that clearly has something wrong with him too yeah and it's like the point of this that because she's just the the doting housewife that she's 
perceived to have the vapors. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, that's 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 definitely true. Um, throughout history, I can point to, like, uh, there's a short story called The Yellow Wallpaper. I don't know if you ever made a read in school. No, I don't believe so. But it's all about, uh, you know, specifically a woman being bedridden and slowly losing her mind. But she was bedridden because they thought she was losing her mind. And so the critique is that the treatment itself is what's actually driving uh, her insane, right? Uh, yeah. Because that's exactly what you're talking about is is true to a degree. It was women primarily who this kind of these kinds of things kinda of happen to where you you know, get in bed, honey, you must rest, you must rest, you're not yourself and you know, smacking women to knock some sense into them and stuff like that. So yeah. There is definitely an element of that where like, you know, I mean, even anecdotally, is which I'm speaking primarily because I don't have historical citations other than a fiction short story but <laughs> anecdotally i mean you know yeah who do you feel like in terms of the traditional american you know gender roles and stuff like that is more likely to go to therapy or be prescribed drugs or even go to a normal doctor like a man in general if i'm not i, I may be answering for you and you disagree uh but it's kind of built around the idea that a man should just kind of solemnly handle his shit and go to work and provide for his family oh yeah and if you a know. woman objects to something she's yeah. hysterical she's crazy yeah. she's hysteric she must yeah. be calmed down doctor give her a shot you know and so to that degree uh um, these radium pills you know there's a john kasevitz quote where he said that as he was trying to find funding for the movie he was told quote no one wants to see a movie about a crazy middle-aged dame so funny to use the word dame at all ever yeah and, uh, you know, to talk about that for a second, he had to mortgage his own home and borrow money to, to finance the film. Peter Folk liked the script so much he gave $500,000 to it. Um, it was also, from what I read or whatever, uh, he was unable to get it distributed, so he was just calling, basically, you know, movie theaters directly, um, considered to be one of the first, like, independently distributed films. Punk rock. But anyways... Yeah, I just definitely like think the that's... the Lumiere brothers. Yeah, I, think, I definitely think that's, a, that's an aspect of what you were talking about with like you know the discrepancy in how she's treated for her you know problems issues um whereas peter falk kind of gets a pass for being the man of the house right and uh i also think what you're talking about is a, another nuanced part of the the film which is uh yeah i definitely think you're onto something with the kids at the end um because yeah i definitely think that's supposed to be a clear point of the movie is that you know the way that men traditionally again would handle the situation with anger and yelling and hitting her uh, is not is also not conducive to her getting any better, getting the help she needs and stuff like that. But it is yeah. the go-to, you know. Yeah, and they're just the re relationship is so tough to watch throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Like, especially how wishy what like, because the way she changes in the middle of a conversation is you know how Peter Falk changes startling, but it's also how he does it too. Mm -hmm. Like, there's that point in the movie that we thought was the climax, and then we found out we had an hour left. Yeah. Um, where he calls the doctor, and then when the doctor gets there, he goes, she's fine, you can leave. And the doctor's like, I'm coming in. Yeah. And, like, they're just, like, arguing in here and there, and the doctor's trying to give her a shot. But while they were in the middle of a conversation, she was lucid again for a second. So yeah. Peter Falk is like, get the fuck away from my fucking wife. Yeah. And just, he changes a bunch of times. In yeah, that exactly. Scene. Just as quickly as she does. Yeah, um, flipping. And he does it throughout this whole movie. Yeah, there's the other scene where uh, he's walking off to buy beer and wine or whatever. And his mom's like, we got to get all these people out. And he's like, no, nobody's going home. And she's like, and he's like, you know what? You do it. You do it. Or do you want yeah. me to do it? You do it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, 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 do, I just want to say in that scene, there's something I love. You were telling me about how, like, because if it's like a, uh, he likes improvisation of course yes, exactly. yeah he definitely likes you know to get closer to the hyper realism he likes yeah. he likes to just kind of like 
almost like improv, like explain the dynamics, you know, and then yes. just be like, you guys kind of roll with that, like what yeah. your relationship is. You and know? I like that in this scene, he's saying that to his mom because she comes outside. He's like, oh, do you want me to send everyone home? He's like, yeah, you, you send everyone home. She's like, okay, I'll send everyone home. And then she walks up the porch and he's like, do you want me to do it? And she's like on the porch away from him now. And you can you can barely hear her because he's <laughs> mic'd and she's not. Yeah. Because he clearly is improvising this line now. And yeah. she from far away goes, it's fine. I'll do it. And he goes, okay, if you want me to do it. She's like, no, oh, no, it's fine. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of little touches that are they're born out of that, and also just the low budget. Like, you know, there's a scene where Peter Falk's sitting on the bench talking on the phone to his mother because she's called about how she's got a pain in her abdomen. He's like, you gotta go to the doctors. There's no time to be afraid of doctors. And then when he hangs up, he stands up, and the fucking telephone's like attached to his belt accidentally, and he yanks the thing up, yeah. kind of, and he has to set it down. Um, I also think uh, all of the musical choices are very tasteful and great and elevate scenes whenever they're used. Absolutely, but they do very abruptly start and very abruptly yeah. end. Like, uh, one of my favorite scenes is definitely uh, the scene where a uh, child and a couple children and the dad of the children come over. And uh, for the first half mm -hmm. of the movie, um, Mabel, who is Gina... Uh, is obsessed with this idea that she's not crazy. She just uh, wants people to feel warm and welcomed. You know, uh, earlier in the film, when all of the workers come over for spaghetti, you know, she's trying to get one specific guy who she keeps saying is handsome to sing and dance or whatever. And that's the first time you see Peter Falk snap is he's like, sit your ass down, you know? And everybody leaves awkwardly between yeah, that. Yeah, it's and always that. like whenever that happens, it's always like because there's a slight that only he perceives. Yeah. He's like, he's embarrassed by her. Mm -hmm. And whenever he tries to like shut it down, everyone else is like, bro, what are you? Yeah. Like at the end when she comes home and she's like got the bow and she's like, Oh, you have to pay the rent. But I can't pay the rent. Yeah. And everybody really likes it. And he's like, enough. Enough jokes. We're just going to have normal conversations. How's the weather? How is your day? Yeah. And her dad is there. And he goes, jokes are part of normal conversations. Yeah. And everyone at the table is like, yeah, dude, if she wants to joke, let her joke. And yeah. he's just furious. And Yeah. But anyways, uh, this parent comes over with his kids, and yeah, she's uh, trying to get him to sing and dance, and the kids to sing and dance, and she's going on about how like the kids, when you're alone with them, whatever, they'll do it, but as soon as other people are around, they get embarrassed and stuff. Um, and Swan Link plays while while her and the kids are kind of dancing, and they all pretend to die, and she's, she's like, look, they all died for you. Isn't that great? You know, that kind of a thing. Um, and I do, I'll say it again, like when she's saying stuff like that, when she's like, and that's what you got to break them. That's yeah. the, those are the things you got to break out of the kids. You got to let yeah. them be themselves. Got to make sure they're themselves yeah. all the time. I'm like, I said, said it once, said it a thousand times. Yeah. This lady seems like fun. I like her quite a bit. Yeah. Like there are these really nice scenes um, in this movie where it's like, I could definitely see a world where her and Peter Falk have a nice marriage. Yeah. Where she is, Just you know. sadly not this movie. <laughs> Sadly, not this movie where yeah. neither of them are as crazy as they need to be. And they both can, well, him more so than her. He can, you know, chill out and just kind of accept her more. Because she's yeah. never, unless she's kind of provoked by him in this movie, she's never really yeah. that over the top. She's yeah, because that's the thing is, I feel like, you know, you were right when you were talking about the kids at the end. Almost definitely more than I was right about the kids at the end. But yeah, it definitely is that thing where like until he starts yelling, she's really just kind of eccentric i mean yeah like she needs help but for sure. she's definitely in the range where it's like oh you know oh, it's got some quirks you know yeah like it's definitely like we said it's just this amorphous nameless mental illness yeah but like at the beginning when they're all having all the guy, guys from the construction company come over to have spaghetti for breakfast i guess because he missed date night he's like oh she'll like it if i bring all the guys over she likes people yeah the guy starts singing that opera song and she gets up and she gets so close to him 
Like almost is like, uh, opera sing into my mouth, please. But Peter Falk hates it and he hates seeing that happen. But everybody else is totally fine with it. They're like, oh, this is just Nick's weird wife. Yeah. And like the guy doesn't stop singing and nobody's like weirded out by it until Peter Falk loses his goddamn (laughs) mind. Yeah. Um, But I'm sorry. I meant to get back to like, there are just scenes where like her talking to that guy and be like, that's what you got to break the kids out of. Or like, um, I really like the scene where beginning of the movie, she sends the kids away with her mom and, um, cause her and Peter Falk are going to have date night and then that doesn't end up happening. And so the next morning he's in bed sleeping cause he has, he just worked all night and grandma comes home with the kids to get the books for school. Yes. And she starts losing her mind. Um, uh, 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 what's her Mabel. name? Mabel. Mabel. Um, starts with, Dad's got to sleep, blah, 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 this and that. And he's like, can we have this argument in another room? Because yeah. he's like, I would really like to sleep. Yeah. And then the kids come in and he kind of flips it and he's like, okay, tell me about what you did yesterday, yeah. kids. How was yesterday? And then mom comes in and she's like, or Mabel comes in and she's like, kids, you got to get out of here. You got to go to school. You got to dad- let dad sleep. He's like, no, get in the bed. And he's like, where's grandma? Grandma, come on, get in the bed. And like, I couldn't tell if that was like a, he's like overdoing it because he's like you know what fucking everybody get in the bed or yeah. if he's just like you know what fuck it everybody get in the bed we'll talk about how our days were yeah. we'll just have this nice little moment together yeah. and there are moments like that in this movie with the family where we're like yeah that's nice but then you know there's the flip side of it where he freaks out and he smacks her or mm-hmm. he yells at her in front of everybody or like even the end of the movie that goes on for fucking ever mm-hmm. with the kids and he puts them to bed like four times and they just run out of the room or whatever and yeah. things calm down for a second she goes up with him the three of them put the kids down and i love that you know because the kids have been against him this whole time and now she's kind of lucid now and she's putting the daughter to bed and she goes you look just like your dad <laughs> you're a daddy's girl yeah huh aren't you i love you very much and she tells the kids that she loves them or whatever and yeah. then i go downstairs she's like no let's clean up this mess and the two of them clean up the house and then it's over i'm like that's very sad but it's also yeah. very beautiful and it's very yeah. like it's just this movie really doesn't end it yeah. just things get bad and then better and then bad and then better and then bad and then better maybe that's the point maybe yeah. that's how something like this happens if you have yeah. someone in your family that deals with a mental illness and then dad's not that great yeah. or mom's not that great well i want to say three things sorry one, i know i just talked i just rambled for a very yeah. long time there i'm sorry well one was that i was in the middle of talking about the uh her oh, yeah, want to make people feel warm yes and him you know his big thing is he's like people can misconstrue that which is basically him saying like i I'm jealous, right? Yes. Especially like when he finds that dad like sitting on the bed next to her with all the kids and he really thinks something funny's going on, you know? Yeah. Right? Which is almost like I want to say like a, a, a an example of traditional irony in the sense that we as the audience know something that he doesn't, which is that she fucked someone else mm-hmm. in like the first scene of the movie. So it's kind of like ironic that he's always on her case when she's not doing anything yeah. wrong because she has done things like that before. But anyways, the other thing is, yes, um, to surmise what you keep talking about with the family, that's one of my favorite aspects of this movie, I think, is the fact that I can see why these two characters like love each other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they have a chemistry and they work, problems aside, right? Um, I see these two as a couple. You know what I mean? I buy it. And I, I feel it, you know? Yeah. And then unfortunately, the problem's not aside. They're the worst people yeah. on the planet for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things also is I don't know. I would wager a guess that it is definitely a possibility that the mental illness part wasn't even necessarily like entirely the point in the sense that perhaps 
it was one of those things where like if you're just looking at it from a couple in crisis perspective it was one of those things where I, like i said i'm not saying that this is exactly the case but um like one of those things where it's like well uh maybe the husband's a guy who gets mad all the time and and maybe uh maybe she's just like a little like crazy you know and so those are both the ways in which like uh it's not helping the relationship like this is the this is what creates the up and down yeah. you know what i'm saying like or it's it's like yeah no you're right i didn't think about it that way but definitely yeah this movie could also be just like yeah she doesn't necessarily have to have a mental illness it could be very much so like when you see like your parents or you see people who are married for a very long time or yeah as a kid growing up seeing your parents fight and being like after seeing it for 20 odd years being like yeah how do you two not yeah get this about each other i've seen you guys (laughs) have this argument so many times over the yeah. last X amount of years. Yeah. And so, yeah, it could definitely just be that or just how couples just operate yeah. in general, especially when so they're married not, for so long. Yeah, I'm not saying it's tasteful, but I, I think there is a degree to which that might also be the point. And in which case, again, not being tasteful aside, I do appreciate it being exactly what you were just saying where you're like, oh, that's true to life in the sense that, yeah, I've been watching my parents have the same argument for 20 years where, like, coupled with the problems they have and the fact that we've both agreed that we can also see the ways in which these two people could hypothetically like work. you know yeah work. yeah exist in harmony um i really do like that portrayal i think they captured that perfectly like in the most plain speak possible the ups and downs of long-term relationship with someone who's not perfect and also you're not perfect right uh yeah no i think yeah. that's great hey, hey chris i'm really proud of us yeah, we watched this movie a couple hours ago. I'm like, oh, we're gonna have jack shit to say about this movie. I think we're having a pretty, a pretty decent, a pretty decent talk about this. Um, yeah, I will say also something that was interesting to me. Again, don't know if it's intentional, but I, I love. I think it's an example of what we're talking about with the ways that they work. I don't know that it's even. I guess you could call it character growth, perhaps even. But like, I love that when she's coming home after the six months, Peter Falk's prime concern is that it's warm. And that it's comforting and that there are people around because she likes people right i mean he lets his mom talk him into like let everybody go home stuff like that but he still wants yeah there's still like a core group of people that are yeah. still there and yeah he literally even says like i want it to be warm at one point yeah. which is like oh wow that's yeah she said that like three or four times in the first hour and a half of this movie <laughs> two hours of this movie <laughs> two hours one hour and 45 minutes of this movie yeah yeah something like that and the last thing I'll say is that on such a, such a shoestring budget, basically being carried by, I, I say this like it is like a pittance or something, but one, I think it looks beautiful. So there's a degree to which it, it's carried by that. Yes, there are, you know, missing frames here and there, abrupt cuts. <laughs> yeah. Some of the this motion. I'm just going to get into this. Yeah. Yeah. The motion looks a little weird. Yeah. The frame I mean, kind of jumps around yeah, here and there. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of just what's captured on the camera in terms of that, like it is I do like looking at it. Um, I, it is aesthetically pleasing. I disagree a bit. Okay. I think, yeah, you were telling me while we were watching it, like the crew for this movie was mainly students. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, easy to tell. Exactly like what you were going to say, exactly what I was going to bring up. Like, uh-huh. like I said, the songs start and stop kind of yeah. weird. And like there's the weird cuts and like frames missing here. And but there. it doesn't feel like but, John Waters level or something. Exactly. You know I mean? like it doesn't, it's not totally. There, I, I none of this, I, I don't, dislike looking at any of this movie but nothing about the way it was shot ever stood out to me other than the mistakes yeah but i think the actors and yeah the writing and the actors of this movie are what hold it up and again i was never bored during this movie so it's a good movie in my opinion and with you know those glaring problems being there Mm. never really bothered me yeah like at all i think this movie stands outside of needing for those things to be good 
but yeah, so you basically said the thing that I was going to say is like, uh, Aha. for a movie that's held up by uh, pretty much the fact that, like I said, I like looking at it. I think it's nice. But also, primarily, um, the performances. It's and all I, about Pete and Gina. And the writing. Um, wow. I was very, I don't know if it's just me and my like life experience or whatever, but like I was like basically from like the first yell, but really the first smack. The last like hour and a half or however long this movie, the whole time I just had a knot in my stomach. Yeah. Like I really definitely had the feeling of like, oh shit, dad just hit my, <laughs> not that my dad, dad ever hit my mother, um, but they definitely fought a lot. And it definitely just for me at least just had that like hanging, like ominous, just, oh my God, I'm six and these two adults are just going to do what they're going to do. And I am just here for the next five hours while they yell at each other. Yeah, I never, not to brag, but yeah. I, no, I never really had that experience growing up. Mm. Like definitely as I got older, my parents would fight more and more. Yeah. And like, um, but it was never something like that. Yeah. Like, like my parents would argue for at the longest 30 minutes. Yeah. And then one of them would storm off and that'd be it for the night. Yeah. But no, I can definitely relate to yeah. the situation of parents being in fights. But when I saw him smack her in this movie yeah. and just the way he just did it without thinking about it, did it in front of a complete stranger. I, in my mind, I was like, Oh, this happens all the time with these two. <laughs> so I wasn't like, Oh God, things are getting serious now. Yeah. No, just, no, not that yeah. things are getting serious. I mean, like in terms of like as a child, yeah, no, I know like, what you mean. Oh shit. Like not that like, this is the first time, but just that thing where it's like, Oh, here we go again. You know, gotcha. Yeah, night yeah. number two in a row. The rest of the night is not normal. You <laughs> know, Like the way that like the last night goes, you know, my dad never like struggled to stop my mom from killing herself or whatever, but it was, you know, there were definitely nights where things were getting broken and stuff like that. And it was, Oh yeah, no, there's you know, a, there definitely a lot of points in this movie. Like, or like when the, he yells at her at, at spaghetti breakfast at the beginning yeah. or when he slaps her or when they're having a fight in front of everybody when she comes back. It's definitely like looking at everybody else who's there who's yeah. not it, that married couple. And I'm yeah, like, that's what I felt like. I know most exactly of this what it's like <laughs> to be these people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of like, I, yeah, like I said, I can't, you know, summarize it better than just saying like, oh, fuck, well, this is what the next two hours are. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just like when you watch two people have a fight yeah. and you're like, how is the fact that nine other people are here right now? Yeah, not a deterrent. <laughs> how is that not affecting what you're doing right yeah. now? It, it reminds me of I'm thinking of ending things in that way where, like, you know, like I said, like that fucking 40-minute car ride is excruciating because it's just so interesting to me. Like, I know it happens in movies a lot, but it also happens in fucking real life. Just people just being like, well, I can't just back out now. So yeah. we're just kind of here. You know? Yeah like this spaghetti dinner is a perfect example like how do you just kind of get up and leave and uh, I guess to a degree lucky them mama called and he had to leave to go check on his mother you know in my head canon I like to believe they picked up the phone and it was a telemarketer and he was like <laughs> what mom oh you sick oh I gotta get yeah. over there right away that does actually work in the context of like movie convention aside the fact that he's constantly going what do you mean there's a pain in your abdomen well did you call a doctor well you should call a doctor Nope, I'm gonna come over there right now. Like just giving you all of the information, right? Yeah. Like I could definitely, definitely see nobody else being on the line at a certain point. <laughs> also, there's a line. Oh, I can't remember how she said it, but when the daughter's running around naked. Yeah. What does the grandma say? She's like, "What are you around here? No clothes for?" Or something like yeah. that. 
Oh, can you oh, yeah. That? Yeah, she says, uh, what are you doing having no clothes on or something like that? What are you doing having no clothes for? Yeah, yeah. it's so good. I yeah. love it. There are also a lot of nice little snapshots. Like, uh, again, when I say nice, I mean like a snapshot of something that, in my opinion, is... You know, like, this reminds me of, like, something like Gummo, where, like, it's beautiful, but also, like, not necessary. Like, it's, like, romanticizing the ugly, in a sense. And I don't mean the ug ugly with judgment, even. It's just, you know, just being, like, here, this is he what being a human is. It's kind of messy. Um, or, like, Raymond Carver. Uh, just, like, yeah, him going to the beach with his kids and that ending with one of the kids asking, like, hey, can I try that beer? As someone who has... How did I forget the scene? Cause... As someone who has, like, ten siblings, yeah, my dad... Uh, yeah, there were many times where each one of them were like, I want to try the beer, and they take a sip. And it's not totally like it in the movie, but like most of the time they'd be like, yuck, that tastes gross, you know. But yeah, no, everybody... that happened a dozen times throughout my life. Yeah, not no, to every... me specifically, but I watched so many little kids. Yeah, no, everybody everybody has a moment in their childhood where dad went, hey, we want to try some beer, and then yeah. you go, ugh, and he goes, yeah. hey, <laughs> But no, these kids chug a lug. I, I, love, I love this scene. I love thinking about these kids being older, like, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, we had a we had an institutionalized mom, and that was rough. Uh, we were in elementary school. I remember Dad coming and pulling us out of school early. Um, him and his friend Gene, can't remember the guy's name. <laughs> yeah, we all got in the back of Gene's truck and he drove us to the beach. And Dad wore a jacket the whole time at the beach for some reason and uh, uh, yelled at us and he yelled at Gene. And then we drove home in the back of the truck and got hammered on hams and then we went home Jerry <laughs> thank you for sharing thank you I love absolutely love uh, we made the joke at the beginning because when he's not he, he doesn't show up for dinner yeah she's in the, in the kitchen just smashing smashing a six pack of hams yeah and it's so funny for some reason because it's hams yeah it's very funny that it's hams yeah and then later when they're leaving the beach Peter Falk pulls out a, a six pack and oh, I hams. jokingly went <laughs> Yeah, you kids want some hams? Yeah. And then he gives the kids a lot of hams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a good movie. It was a good time. I had yeah, fun. I think it's a good movie. I really do think it's a good movie. What would you give it? I would give it a B minus. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I was somewhat... I, f I feel like I just am going to pull the trigger, and I'm going to go ahead and give it an A plus for me. Oh, right on. Yeah. At first, like when we were maybe 45 minutes into the movie, I was like, ah, A minus, right? But like I said, as it kept going on, um, for what it is, because again, that is most of the time my, my criteria, 1974 shoestring budget with just, in my opinion, two powerhouse actors. Yeah. Um, just chewing it up. Just... A slice of life that gives two actors who know what the fuck they're doing the chance to just do it. Um, like I said, most of the time, like I was just watching these scenes, like, oh fuck, you know, like, like there's that scene where Peter um, kind of has her calmed down. Um, he's bleeding from the nose because that dad hit him, and she's just sitting there talking about how, like, you remember what I said? You said on your on our wedding day, you know? She's like, he's like, don't do this right now or whatever and she's like it's you and me you and me with this close and all that kind of stuff i was just like damn um yeah i yeah i just think at the end of the day you know the more that i think about it the more that i i think it's a great performance from peter folk it's a great performance from uh gina rollins uh and i think uh, you know it yeah genuinely uh moved me and i think it perfectly like i said 
this is the most concise way and in doing so it loses nuance but it's just such an interesting snapshot of just two american people trying to make it work in the 70s sense where you just you're kind of with the person you chose and you try to make it work and you know what i'm saying daddy's got a temper and mom's a little crazy you know and uh yeah i just think that this movie's a great just snapshot of that you know the it's a much more emotionally charged than this but yeah it definitely reminds me of something like a raymond carver story yeah. or well, i'm really glad to hear that i'm really glad you thing. really yeah. liked it yeah yeah i'm sure because i got no i got no complaints really about this movie yeah so i'm sure again since i just saw it a couple hours ago yeah I'm sure if i let this this cook for a while it might enjoy like i i talking to you about it right now made me like this movie more um <laughs> so yeah thing. i'm sure as t- time yeah. goes on i'll probably appreciate this movie yeah. more and more but yeah for right now i'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna set it a nice respectable gentleman's b minus yeah yeah i mean that kind of thing happens i mean you know as i've stated in the podcast as we were watching synecdoche new york i was talking a bit about how like i don't know i think i might like i'm thinking of ending things more you know mm-hmm. i don't know if i'd bump it into the a plus range but i i feel like I don't know what I gave it, but uh, if it didn't get it, definitely a B plus. And I, you know, I think it's, I think it might be one of the stronger. Oh, crap, Chris, if there was somewhere I wanted to go to find out what our rankings were in all movies, where would I go? Oh, that'd be really interesting, if something like that existed. Oh, you know what? That's so weird because on our website we have a very specific page called the grade book, and on there separated into what letter grade each of us gave it there's two separate columns is every movie we've seen to this point and every movie we'll see in the future yeah i was i was really hoping you would say oh you can go to blah blah blah.com yeah eating soup because i was like i can't remember if it's esapot.com or eating soup alone.com well what and happens when you go to what's the what's the, what's the grade book url i don't know it's Look eating it soup slash forward slash the dash grade dash book Oh, those dashes make it annoying. Yeah, you're telling me. Um, Check it out. And also trying to find your ranking is annoying. Well, um, if you're on the, like a laptop or the desktop, you can You do gave it a F. B. Okay. I'll bump it up to a B plus at this point. Cool. Maybe it'd even keep going higher. Mm. Who knows? But that's that, Mattress Man. If you need more soup... Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to our website, eatingsoupalone.com. And until next time, 